two hobbits. Two hobbits. Two, two hobbits. hobbits. Two hobbits. What is your what is your stance on uh, Jim Henson Muppet Muppet puppetry? The 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 world of Jim Henson. What's your take um, on that? By and large, I am all about it. Mm-hmm. I've never I, there's big chunks that I haven't seen. Like I never watched Fraggle Rock. Okay. But a Muppet Christmas Carol is my favorite Christmas movie. And I think my one of my favorite videos on the internet is as morbid as this is going to sound is the Jim Henson's funeral. It ends with them singing one person, and it starts off with like you know one guy singing, then two puppets, then three, oh, and then it yeah. ends with the entire crowd with a single stick puppet of butterflies waving it. That's right. And that's like this weird. I guess you could call it like a, I don't know, self care motivator thing for me. Like yeah. I got to always remind myself, like, if just one person believes in you, then mm-hmm. two, then maybe three. And yeah. yeah so I, I love Jim Henson. I mean, yeah. a big, you know, massive part of, I think, everybody's childhood. Maybe? I think just about. I th- I, yeah. I think between, yeah, either Fraggle Rock, which which I also didn't. I didn't watch that one. But uh, the Mrs. Hobbit, she's all about Fraggle Rock. Um, hmm. I, was, I was definitely much more Sesame Street growing up. Oh yeah, Sesame Street. Yeah, Sesame Street. Um, and then yeah, like the Muppets got into a little bit, and then of course you get into like dark, goofy, wacky Jim Henson with like the Dark Crystal and Ugh. Labyrinth, and how and, and, and yeah, we're actually um, just on Netflix. This was two years ago now, I think. Mm-hmm. They have like a like a new series about uh, Dark Crystal, and it is. It's just uh, oh yeah. I- Saw uh, that age and promptly of, ignored it. Yeah, it's it's actually really good. It, it is. Is it? Uh, yeah, I would I would recommend it. And and something that just what I appreciate many things I appreciate about Jim Henson Puppet Workshop. I think that's the like company name now. And anyway, mm-hmm. is in this world where it's so easy to just like burn money at computer animators and have them do everything. Like like so much of anything Henson is still practical effects and they, they make the little things and they, when they go to like the podling village and they're running around and there's like bathtubs and like little gourds that they're using for um, like soup bowls or whatever. Like, like people made that. That's a physical tangible thing. And it just makes such a difference. And there's like some CGI in this. Yeah. Like Netflix, dark crystal, but it's not, egregious it's 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 not constantly in your face all the time and that's i think that's what i appreciate it's not a transformers movie it's not a transformers movie it's not a remastered star wars uh because because that because that was the other thing too like like and and also jim henson right because because frank oz was was yoda um and uh yeah 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 like he, he made all those puppets yeah right and and once you get that mix, once you get that, like it's, it already requires a certain suspension of disbelief to have full, full on humans and either really small puppets or like big giant ones. Like it, it takes a little getting used to, but eventually your brain learns to read that. But then when you like throw mm-hmm. crappy, quickly to age CGI in there, yeah, it's just, it's just bad. And oh, yeah. And so, and so, yeah, uh, we've been we've been watching we've been watching the uh, uh, Dark Crystal, uh, Age of Resistance, 
series on Netflix. I don't know when season two is coming out. I haven't looked yet, but yeah, that's that's why I had Jim Henson on the mind. Okay, yeah, because he's great. He's great. Um, and I mean, he he was also well known for making little tiny lovable furry creatures and hey that's what hobbits are too right <laughs> oh god that's the worst best clumsy segue ever <laughs> see i thought you're trying to lead up into like oh yeah there's the dark crystal and what's where do crystals form oh yeah that's right in caves and what's in caves well oh. sometimes it's a hobbit i'm a hobbit i, I... <laughs> no that one was maybe a little forced maybe that was like the cgi Tauntaun or whatever in this in this episode, but anyway, here we are, another another installment, another uh, another episode of the Two Hobbits podcast, and I am Joshua, and I am a Hobbit, and I am Jonesy, and I am a Hobbit, and welcome to the Two Hobbits podcast, where we're going to talk about probably not Jim Henson so much, but something fun tonight. Let's start this episode off as we always do. Joshua, what's in your Hobbit's Goblet? In my Hobbit's Goblet, I am quite excited about this. This is from New Holland Brewing Company, based Ooh. out of Holland, Michigan. There you go. Makes sense. And I have there the Poet American Oatmeal Stout. Ooh, and okay. as you will recall, I am a I'm a sucker for oatmeal stouts. And uh, yeah, this is this is. Uh, pleasing. This is this is very very pleasing. Nice and dark and malty. Um, a little bit of coffee, not super super coffee. A um, little bit of chocolate, not super super chocolate. So this is just a nice, a very very nice oatmeal stout. It sounds like just a good rounded beer. Yeah, it is. It's quite it's quite quite nice. Um, and the and the can has some pretty nice uh, kind of art on it too. They have sort of a stylized uh, windmill because they're New Holland, and that makes sense. Um, right. And yeah, it's just really pretty. It's really pretty, really nice to drink. So, New Holland, well done. Good, good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have said this before, I'll say it again, I'm sick of IPAs, but quite frankly, that's all that seems to be around. Know, so man. I did, I fell back to my old standby, Joshua. I went with the tried and true method that has only let me down a couple hundred times, and I picked one, I picked my favorite can and went with that. Okay. So today I am drinking a solarized yuzu double IPA from Odell Brewing, and there's a picture of a turtle looking lovingly at what looks to be some tangerines. <laughs> and I literally picked it because I like turtles. I like turtles. <laughs> I am zombie boy. I like turtles. <laughs> and, uh... Ah, that's kind of rough. Oh, oh wow. Oh, man. <laughs> You want to make out with an orange behind a porno theater? Because that's what that tastes like. <laughs> oh, I hate IPAs. I'm so sick of them. I know. It's just when, when, when will you people learn that your actions have consequences? <laughs> yeah, I just, like, can we please stop? Because we've been in this, like, IPA bubble for like seven years now, just please, or, or maybe even longer than that, just just stop. I think we've been in a weird IPA bubble as long as I've been legal. So like 11 years at least. Yeah, I, well, because I threw out seven, but then I was also thinking like, well, no, that was just 2014. And I was, I'm pretty sure we had this exact same conversation seven <laughs> years ago. Yeah, I think I We think might have. Yeah, I was, yeah, when I was first able to drink... Uh, circa, yeah, like 2008. Well, when I was first able to drink legally, circa 2008. 
wink, um, wink, 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 wink. Yeah, it, it was. It was just like, oh, cool. Like, there's maybe like a quarter of the of this micro brews uh, menu is IPAs, but at least I have some other stuff. And now it's like, oh, cool. Fully two thirds of your drink list is just IPAs, and then there's like one token pale ale, which is like half an IPA anyway. Oh God, they're not even. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. Yep. And it is. And now it's now it's like, oh well, uh, try our try our our Gosa, uh, which is kind of a fun funky beer with 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 extra hops. And I'm just like, stop, stop putting hops in everything. Just stop, stop it. What's the deal with hops and everything? I mean, come on. You're walking to a bar. You want to have a drink. And what do you see? IPAs! IPAs! Hops over here. Cascade. Encore. Oh, Citra. Really? (laughs) I hope Jerry Seinfeld hears this episode. Oh God! Well, we're not Good talking stuff. about Seinfeld either, but you know what we're yeah, going to talk about. Talking, yeah, we're also not talking about Seinfeld. We're not talking talking about Jim Henson. But what? So, so Jonesy, then what are we? What? Let's let's stop teasing the people. What are we actually talking about then? Here we go. Thirteen minutes in, drastically shorter than our music intro. So we're, we already got that going for us, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about caves. I got into a weird. I don't want to say I went down a rabbit hole because I feel like that pun is too too easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I kind of went into a weird rabbit hole and I learned a lot about caves and I wanted to talk about them with you and you seemed receptive to that idea. Yeah. Because I think we're scraping the bottom of our hobbit barrel just a little bit. But tenuously, uh, Bilbo found a ring in a cave and there, that's that caves. Oh, and then the mines of Moria and then, yeah, there you go, yeah. I mean, what's, what's the deal with caves? You're walking along, you fall down in one, what's up with that? You're in there, it's dark, it's scary, and you feel something slithering. Why put treasure in there? <laughs> I can listen to you do that all day. <laughs> Believe me, buddy, I could do that all day and just annoy everybody in the world. <laughs> just make like increasingly less clever observations about caves. Yeah. <laughs> They're full of bats! Caves, they don't have bats. But when you tell somebody there's a bat in, in your cave, that means they have a booger in their nose. Oh. <laughs> What's the deal with nose hairs? <laughs> nose hairs? Are those stalactites or stalagmites? <laughs> I'll just use a stalag wipe, thank you very much. <laughs> That's what you need. Excuse me. Let me get that bat with my stalagmo. <laughs> so dumb but i love it <laughs> i do too <laughs> all right so let's get after it let's start this as we typically yeah. do mm-hmm. um before we get into like what caves actually are they're holes in the ground Blah, okay cool we yeah. covered that next episode <laughs> on two hobbits podcast yeah thanks everybody take care but there's more to it than that like yes. there are these weird things they are they are intrinsically tied to human evolution and our culture mm-hmm. they mystify us they are horrifying they are haunting they are cool mm-hmm. as all hell yeah. I watched a documentary on underground cave diving, or yeah, well, underground. Yeah. Whatever. Sorry, let me try that again. Under, okay. Let try, okay, let me try this one more time on submerged cave diving, where you know you're just diving underwater with a scuba tank, and I hated it. It was yeah, awful, I, and I watched it for like an hour and a half, and then I, my chest hurt. Like, ugh. there was one, and it was it was it was a different video, but they were diving somewhere in South America, and they said we have to be super careful 
because if you touch the ground, you're going to kick up the silt. And if you kick up the silt, right. well, we're just not going to be able to see again. Yeah, because, like, other, like, um, uh, uh, hydrodynamic processes would, like, clear it out or let it settle. But, no, you just have to wait. You just have to wait for it to... Uh, eventually kind of yeah fall back down yeah and, and there's just this forever. wee tiny thin thread that's connecting you to the guy next to you that's connecting uh, him to the outside world i oh, i hated it uh, yeah, <laughs> although um we did my uh, family it's like family reunion thing we'll uh every like two or three years we'll 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 go on like a week-long cruise and kind of check out places and we were in i want to say this is in belize and there was an excursion uh, where we did like cave, like not, not, not cave rafting, but cave, cave tubing. There you go. Cave, cave, cave tubing. Oh, wow. Okay. We got like inner tubes and uh, they put us into groups of like six or seven and kind of like, like didn't tie them together, but kind of linked them together. Um, and then, yeah, we just kind of floated down this river and went into some caves and it was the coolest thing. It was super, super cool. Um, there was only one time where our guide was like, yeah, we got some, we got a pretty heavy rainfall a couple days before you all uh, came into port. So, oh, no. so this part, the water's going to get a little high and you might get a little close to the ceiling, but it's not, you're never going to go have to like go underneath. Um, oh, but, God. but it was, but it was still super cool. It was super, super cool. All right. But so yeah. Yeah, which, which which again, like uh, as you were hinting at there too, Jonesy, there is something about the the fascination that does seem primordial, and who knows, maybe it's because our ancestors, how many tens or hundreds of thousands of years ago, lived in caves or didn't live in caves. Um, but yeah, th- yeah, it, it does yeah, seem like to be there's the weird us. tie to it. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we should start this. With, I think we ought to start this the way that we typically do, because mm-hmm. I reckon they've got something to say about it, Joshua. What do the Greeks say about caves? <laughs> Is that a bad it. transition? No, no, that's great. <laughs> no, it's great. So, oh man, Where, well, there's there's a whole bunch of places we, we, we could talk about. Um, yes, yeah, sort of like the the uh, the Chthonic deities, the ones that are underground, as opposed to like the Olympians who are up in the skies and, and in Olympus, because mm-hmm. we could talk about. Um, uh, Hades, the god of the underworld, who lives underground, and um, one of the reasons why he's called Pluto is that's a Greek word for like wealthy, like a plutocracy is like a rule of wealthy people, and 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 he also has his name Pluto, which carries over to his Roman name because mm-hmm. he's underground, and that's where all the like precious metals and gems and stuff are. Um, that's where the Elysium Fields are. Which is like the good afterlife, but yet it's still underground. So we could talk. Oh man, we could. But but as I'm rattling, I know this, I kind of kicked an anthill there. I'm sorry. No, and as I kind of rattled all that stuff off, I, I think. I mean, when you're talking about like the Greek imagination and caves, truly that there there really is only one, and I think mm-hmm. that's that's the allegory of the cave um, oh, by uh, Plato. And, um, okay. And yeah, that's a, that's a pretty well known that's a pretty well known kind of concept, um, and we can dive into that some right now. But um, uh, well, yeah, yeah I, why don't why don't we just do this real quick? So so the, the yeah, allegory, yeah the, so the allegory of the cave, um, it's it's not like a separate book or it's not like a separate thing, but but it appears in this uh, larger writing 
um, by Plato, a very, very famous uh, uh, philosopher, student of Socrates. And uh, he wrote a couple of different things. Uh, but where we get the allegory of the cave comes from um, uh, Plato's writing that we call the Republic. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a little section from um, this larger work called the Republic. And the Republic is, as you could imagine its title, it's kind of this thought experiment about what's, what's the best kind of governance for a city? What should a city, um, what should it try to like do for its citizens? What should its citizens do for the city? What's the best, it kind of goes on and on like that. Um, and so when, when Plato writes these things, uh, they're, they're sometimes called the Socratic dialogues mm -hmm. because Plato writes this, I guess in some ways, almost, almost like a play or like a piece of dramatic literature. He has characters who are dialoguing, who are talking back and forth to each other. It's not like paragraph after paragraph of him writing his own kind of thoughts. He, he's exploring these thoughts through characters in, in dialogue. Mm -hmm. um, and they're called the Socratic Dialogues because one of the characters is Socrates, who, like I mentioned, um, uh, uh, Plato kind of like studied under and like hung around and palled around with Socrates. And there's this big question of like, uh, is the Socrates in Plato's writing, is that like the actual Socrates? Is that Plato kind of using his own ideas, but writing it under a different character? And there's not really a nice, neat answer for that. Um, but, but what it is, is, is it's Socrates, and he's talking with this other guy uh, named Glaucon. And, and he, uh, again, sort of proposes this other kind of thought experiment to, to explain one of his points here. Um, and so this is from uh, Plato's The Republic, Book 7, lines 514a through 521d. And now, I said, let me show in a figure how far our nature is enlightened or unenlightened. Behold, human beings living in an underground cave, which has a mouth open towards the light and reaching all along the cave. Here they have been from their childhood and have their legs and necks chained so they cannot move and can only see before them, being prevented by the chains from turning round their heads. Above and behind them, a fire is blazing at a distance, and between the fire and the prisoners there is a raised way, and you will see, if you look, a low wall built along the way, like the screen which marionette players have in front of them, over which they show the puppets. I see. And do you see, I said, men passing along the wall carrying all sorts of vessels and statues and figures of animals made of wood and stone and various materials which appear over the wall? Some of them are talking, others silent. You have shown me a strange image, and they are strange prisoners. Like ourselves. And they see only their own shadows, not the shadows of one another, which the fire throws on the opposite wall of the cave. True. How could they see anything but the shadow if they were never allowed to move their heads? And of the objects which are being carried in like manner, they would only see the shadow? Yes. And if they were able to converse with one another, would they not suppose that they were naming what was actually before them? Very true. And suppose further that the prison had an echo which came from the other side. Uh, would they not be sure to fancy when one of the passers-by spoke that the voice which they heard came from the passing shadow? No question, he replied. To them, the truth would be literally nothing but the shadows of the images. This is certain. And now look again and see what will naturally follow if the prisoners are released and disabused of their error. 
At first, when any of them is liberated and compelled suddenly to stand up and turn his neck round and walk and look towards the light, he will suffer sharp pains, the glare will distress him, and he will be unable to see the realities of which, in his former state, he had seen the shadows. And then conceive someone saying to him that what he saw before was an illusion, but that now, when he is approaching nearer to being and his eye is turned towards more real existence, he has a clearer vision. What will be his reply? And you may further imagine that his instructor is pointing to the objects as they pass and requiring him to name them. Will he not be perplexed? Will he not fancy that the shadows which he formerly saw are truer than the objects which are now shown to him? Far truer. And if he is compelled to look straight at the light, will he not have a pain in his eyes which will make him turn away to take and take in the objects of vision which he can see and which he, and which he will conceive to be in reality clearer than the things which are now being shown him? True, he now. And suppose once more that he is reluctantly dragged up a steep and rugged ascent and held fast until he is forced uh, into the presence of the sun himself. Is he not likely to be pained and irritated? When he approaches the light, his eyes will be dazzled, and he will not be able to see anything at all of what are now called realities. Not all in a moment. Okay, so ooh, whole lot of stuff here. Okay, what so we, yeah, so right there, what are we what are we looking at? So so in this thought experiment, Socrates is laying out this really weird kind of world, because that's what philosophers do. They just come up with these absurd propositions and kind of talk their way through it. Where it's basically there are people as soon as they're born they're kept in this cave and there's only one source of light and they're basically just made to watch shadow puppets mm -hmm. and that's all that they know that's all that they've ever known and they just see these like shadow puppets on the cave wall and like they're like okay cool this is this is how the world works shadow puppets uh yeah and then Socrates is saying like, yeah, but what, but what would happen to one of those persons if he got sprung, if, 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 he, if, he, were for, if he were loosed uh, from, his, from his chains and actually got to explore, oh, this isn't this thing that makes the shadow rabbit. It actually is just like a wooden rabbit and his like mind mm -hmm. is getting blown. And when he like turns to the, to the sunlight, because there's a little opening uh, where, where sunlight is coming in and he's like blinded because he's only used to seeing the kind of soft firelight and when he actually see when he sees true reality and true brightness from the sun he like gets a headache and it pains him um and so he's kind of talking about this idea as like how do we know that currently we aren't going through something similar like i can pick up i can pick up this glass of uh american oatmeal stout and i can smell mm -hmm. it and drink it and taste it and and I have all these sensory perceptions, but how do I know that this is actually what it is? Like, what if, what if this, what if this glass is like a shadow? And if I actually was shown like the true thing that's making this glass of beer, um, would I like get a case of poo brain? <laughs> if that kind of sounds familiar to any of our listeners, you say like, oh, wait a sec. I, I think that kind of, I think I've heard of that before. Like that we maybe in, inhabit a false reality, but then through some mechanism, we're shown what true reality is like. And then we have to process that. Is that making you think of anything, Jonesy? 
Uh, the Matrix? It's The Matrix. Yes. Uh, the the movie franchise, The Matrix, or at least the first one. I can't say any. I can't speak to the sequels. Yeah, the first one is a very, very um, uh, nice, modern, contemporary um, illustration or, well, maybe not even illustration is a good word. Expansion, maybe, or playing around with these ideas of like the allegory of the cave where... Um, yeah, Mr. Mr. Anderson is just watching shadow puppets, but hmm. when but when he takes the red pill is and, and becomes Neo, that now he's freed from his uh, chains and sees actually what's making the shadow puppets and it's uh, robots who need our bioelectricity for batteries or juices and our juices, even though like. The second law of thermodynamics makes that extremely inefficient to like raise an entire other organism. Not, but not what we're here for. Yeah. Okay. Okay. True. 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 But but that is <laughs> that is probably that is probably one of like the best known ideas of the cave. Yeah. And it it, it and it also kind of in a way illustrates another one of Plato's well known ideas, which is the which is the theory of forms, or sometimes called uh, Platonic idealism. Um, where it's like, well, how, yeah, it, it's basically that. How do we know that uh, this, this thing is the actual thing and not just a, like, a, like a corrupt version of it because some ideal, but, but, but again, that's, right. that's kind of making my hobbit head hurt. And, <laughs> and I don't like to think too hard because I'm a hobbit. <laughs> I, I feel that. I, I definitely, I, I, I appreciate that. Well, yeah. okay. Okay, yeah. So what you're saying is Plato did it because Plato was the proto Simpsons or the the original Simpsons, and Plato did it. Yeah, yeah, and and, and it was it was it was truly this idea of like, um, yeah, sort of like, well, how how do we know that real life is actually real life? And if I see the color red, is that the same color red that everybody else sees? But then, well, like, we talked about that in our last episode too, like the the perception of color with the ancient Greeks versus now and. What, yeah, which, what we, and that's always weird too is yeah like mm-hmm. what the red yeah the red that you see is that the red that everyone else sees like yeah 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 are we just agreeing on similar terms and calling it good or yeah and, yeah and calling calling it close enough for jazz or close enough for government work as the saying goes close um, enough for polis work <laughs> right exactly um, well, okay, and then I guess the other, well, the other sort of important part to mention about the allegory of, of the cave is so this so this dude he like gets a headache because he's looking at the real sun, and he like gets mm-hmm. and he gets pulled out of the cave and he kind of like spends a day living above ground and then he like tries to go back down into the cave and tell all of the people who are still chained up he's like no guys like those are just shadow puppets like let me tell you what actually is going on and then all of the like prisoners. Or like, who who is this madman? He, he he's insane. What is he talking about? That's clearly a rabbit. And he's like, no, it's just a shadow. Watch. And they're like, burn him. <laughs> burn him in the fires that sit behind and above us. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and so that's the other thing too. Like, it's both a it's both a kind of ex, a somewhat explanation of of these platonic forms, uh, these these theory of forms, and also an illustration of just how difficult it is to convince people of things that are like truly like kind of beyond their 
both perception or their understanding and um, uh, yeah so that's so that's also kind of kind of the other thing in there okay so so yeah so 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 without derailing us too much is Plato is Plato for this type of like illusionary government where like you just have your sub because if you just what he's just talking about thought control right so he is he proposing that a thought control government is a happy government does that make sense oh well or am i reading too much into this am i looking at this with too much of a 2020 scope you are so that idea definitely does appear in the republic but not quite in the allegory of the cave Um, okay there's another kind of famous or maybe infamous part of the republic um where uh plato comes pretty hard at um uh poets and actors because mm. again it's, it's this idea of like the forms and it's like so anytime so so think about it like like making photocopies of photocopies right the right. original is like the is like the best clearest thing to read you photocopy that once and then the copy's like yeah, it's still pretty good maybe it picked up a weird smudge or something and then you photocopy that copy and it just gets worse and worse and worse and so what what's plato what Plato was arguing is like look we have people who are pretending to be characters and the characters are themselves like imperfect copies of of so on and so on mm-hmm. and like the further we get away from quote unquote the truth from quote unquote the ideal form that just that just corrupts that just corrupts everybody and so in this thought experiment yeah the the character of socrates read as plato is saying like so therefore any sort of actor or one of the imitative poets he goes off on a like he goes off on a weird tangent about people who are really good at making bird calls he's like okay he's like you're not a bird <laughs> but then diogenes rolls up and he's like behold a man yeah, and he's behold, got his... plato's man <laughs> yeah, he, yeah you're that's a that's a chicken i know it's a bird suck it fool it's a man behold <laughs> it's a man pretending to be a chicken ha <laughs> ha right so, I like to think he just like threw chickens at people. I, I that would not surprise me about Diogenes at all. Um, but but yeah. So but anyway, to to, to wrap up this point. So yeah. yeah, he gets really, he pushes hard for like state censorship of art, and saying like, look, we have our little kids here, and little kids, they they just always imitate what they see, right? So we have to make sure that they only see the very best stories and that will instill in them like honor and courage and and, and so on and so on um and right. so yeah so people who tell good stories you can stay in this ideal kind of government that i'm building everybody else you're kicked out you're not welcome here hmm. you can go do your thing elsewhere and so so to your point about kind of like sort of government or state control of ideas and stuff like that yeah that does kind of come through um hmm in in the republic it's also and i guess one one sort of final note we don't have quite as firm an idea of the dating of some of these things we're we we pretty much have it divided up into like early plato writing middle plato writing and then later we don't really have like Mm -hmm. a firm date and if i remember correctly i believe the republic was like a middle one um okay 
And then he actually comes back in one of his later writings, maybe even his last one, uh, called The Laws. And there he like maybe takes the foot off the gas pedal a bit. And he's like, you know, I may have said some stuff earlier that upon further reflection, maybe, maybe we don't have to like enact a ruthless state control of the arts. Maybe, maybe we don't have to do that. Maybe we just sing and dance. Maybe that's better. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 Right? Yeah. Just, pretty yeah. Good. So, so yeah, I think there are many caves in Greek literature, but none more wondrous than the allegory of the cave from Plato's Republic. All right. Cool. Yeah. Paula Todd Dana Cave. <laughs> Spalo? Spilo? I don't know. Because what? Because no, the root is like. Spayology, yeah. Spelunking is like the is the like going into the root of it is spiel, but I don't think that's a Greek word at all. I have no uh, idea. Let's see here. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it looks like spelion. There you go. Yeah, yes. yeah. I, I would have gotten there eventually. Spelion. Yeah, yeah. Large, naturally occurring cavity formed underground, also known as a cave. Giggity. <laughs> There's also a spelinks. There's another word for that, and uh, yeah, that's um eight caves, or that's sixty four caves lined up in six, or you know eight by eight formation, and they make a <laughs> nay, a nigh impenetrable cave wall that you can't even hope to break through, let alone explore at all. It's this weird formation of <laughs> you had me in the first half. Not gonna lie, <laughs> I was like, wow, how cool is that? <laughs> Um, well, you, what'd you say, spalanx? And I was just like, yeah, it's a phalanx. Yeah, like, yeah, let's get after yeah. it. <laughs> spalanx. And then one more is maybe a, is that a rough or a smooth, smooth breathing? Either antron or hantron. I think it's a smooth breathing. So antron. But yeah, okay. uh, but we'll stick with spalion. Okay. Yeah, I'm in. Um, also, real quick, mm -hmm. uh, the Oracle at Delphi was in a cave, right? Yeah. So... Um, what, what, um, what we think, what we think was there was, um, yeah, maybe not within a cave, but def, but definitely on top of one or like on top of a fissure. Um, uh -huh. and like, Can, you want to go into that really quick? Just kind of like sure. what we think. Yeah. Cause I, it'll come up later on in the show, but I, I kind of want to point this out cause I think it's super yeah. interesting, but yeah. Give me it like is. the quick rundown of like what we. I guess what we think the oracle at Delphi was, right? Yeah. What, yeah. what, what we think yeah, yeah. was 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 there was this uh, there's this priestess of of Apollo called Apithia, and uh, she was kind of in this little kind of building, um, in a room that was on top of a, a fissure, and she was sitting on a sitting on a, a little stool, and uh, people would come in and ask their question, and she would give, of course, this like kind of uh, enigmatic, cryptic. Kind of responses um, but the idea that we maybe think is like maybe there was some like essentially yeah like cave gases uh seeping up from the ground from the fissure there and maybe getting her a little silly <laughs> and so like her like kind of uh shall we say like altered state of reality or altered state of consciousness from inhaling these cave gases that maybe that is that is an explanation for um, some of these, yeah, like famous kind of riddle responses that that she would give. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I, I I'm I'm sure there's some pe some people who are 
like really diving into like, oh no, we think it was like this blend of chemicals, or no, we, no, it's it's this gas. But um, yeah, that, well, I really I, I, I really do wonder, wonder what it would have been. But yeah, 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 or even just or even just because um, like a person can still breathe like just nitrogen yeah. and be hypoxic and then your brain kind of gets goofy because you're low on oxygen so maybe it wasn't even like a chemical reaction necessarily other than just she wasn't were... getting enough oxygen yeah she was, was kind of choking herself out right <laughs> giving herself a bit of a carotene before she got the uh <laughs> prophecy well because even like opposite of going down into a cave or like having like cave fumes, like, like people who climb Everest or, or, or go, go, go the opposite, super high mm-hmm. up in elevation and get oxygen deprived. Like they report all sorts of like goofy stuff going on. So yeah, maybe that, maybe that's part of it too. Could be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. But yeah. Don't the, the, uh, but yeah, the, the Oracle at Delphi, if not, within a cave definitely kind of built up around a cave or another sort of opening in the ground and uh yeah adds to its mystique you know what i just thought about was there's that episode of the simpsons where ned flanders builds his uh uh, bible themed uh, amusement park and people start (laughs) tripping balls having visions of mod flanders there because they're inhaling uh propane so maybe that's it maybe it's just propane (laughs) priestess of pythia I come seeking news about what what should my course of action be in this upcoming battle. Well, I tell you what, if you erect a wooden wall, put some varnish on it, it'll last all it'll last all season. <laughs> yep. Yep. Now you're mm-hmm. gonna wanna use a miter joint in that horse. Otherwise <laughs> it's gonna fall apart, I tell you what, and then your whole invasion's gonna go to pot. Dagummit Boomhauer, I told you, if you go invade this country, a great empire will fall. I didn't say which one, though. <laughs> Bill? Yeah, dang it, Clytemnestra, I done told you the wind is blowing. No. Your daughter's dead. <laughs> Bobby, get down from there. But, Dad, I'm riding Pegasus. <laughs> Look at how high I'm flying. <laughs> Bob Icarus, you come down from, you're flying too high, boy. The wax is going to melt in the sun. I'm fine, Dad. Ah! Oh, no, Bobby free. (laughs) You get down here right now or I'll kick your ass. (laughs) Oh, God, I love King of the Greek. Greek oh, I might see, yeah, Greek of the, well, because, uh, like, Re- Apollos. Uh, no, 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 wait, wait, we can do this. What is it? Uh, Rex of the, what's Hill? Josh? Oreo, right? Uh, some, some, Oreo, right? I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway, 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 okay, all right. Whew, all Meanwhile, right. back at the plot. Meanwhile. So, okay, yeah, so, okay, so Greeks have a cool, I like, I like the idea of the, I like Plato's analogy of the, of the cave, it's fun. I do like yeah. the idea of thought control in a perfect society, because mm-hmm. what do we get away with, what do we not? Maybe yeah. we ought to look a little closer to, like, our natural realm, and let's, let's yeah. get into caves for, for real, for real. Like, what we know about caves, perfect. I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, I want to start off, Joshua, I'm real sorry. As horned up as you get for Greek mayhem, I got horned up in this episode because I, 
I met an old girlfriend of mine, and her name was Geology. And boy, it was fun to talk to her again and laugh this with her true. again and mm-hmm. yeah. remember all these things. So if you'll indulge me for just a bit, I'm going to go a little bit oh, crazy please. with geology stuff. Oh, yeah. No, I, 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 am, I, I genuinely enjoy all of the cool things that I can learn. Because, because yeah, I, I know next to nothing about geology, but you, are, you, and, you and she go way back. Oh, oh, she is my mistress, and I love her <laughs> something special. So there's three types that I want to cover tonight. There are, There's several different types of caves, but just for our purposes tonight, there's three that I really want to put the scope onto. Uh, mm-hmm. The first is something called oh, wait, a wait, 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 can I guess? Oh. Yeah, 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 wait on me. Are they the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria? No, those okay. are boats. Damn it. Ah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Usually when there's three of something, that's a good, that's like a 50-50. It's Karst primary and Aeolian, so I don't even think you were close. Okay. 60% of the time, it works 100% of the time. Okay, anyway. All right. That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) So three three types of caves. Yeah, three types of caves that I'm going to talk about tonight. Uh, We'll start with, and again, another primer for this. I absolutely hate this first type. I think it's lazy. I think it's lazy geology. It pisses me off, and everyone goes absolutely batty for it. Josh, I bet you could even get into this one with me. Uh, did you ever go to, and maybe, I don't know, maybe Alamos is too far removed from it, but did you ever go to Cave of the Winds as a kid? Oh, yeah, well, um, not as a kid, but as a as a young adult, yeah. Okay, yeah, so you've seen it. Cool. Yeah, so that's, so that's a type of cave called a, a karst cave. And what it is, as you get the deposition of the uh, landscape around you, you get certain compaction, and then minerals are formed. Then you get rocks like uh, the most, or one of the big things that you get out of the rock for, of the rock layers is limestone, dolomite, or gypsum. Now, mm-hmm. these are super, super weatherable, and they tend to not last that long around the stuff that's next to them. So mm-hmm. as groundwater leaches down from the surface it will start to drip into these things. And over millions and millions of years, it will carve out these vast chambers of networks of mm-hmm. caves. And that's called a, tar- a karst topography. Oh my God. A karst topography cave. And it's basically cave of the winds. And they're real famous for like limestone or for the, the limestone structures of stalactites and stalagmites. Right. And if you think about that it's... South Park, there's the one and they visit the cave of the winds and it's, <laughs> ah, yes, here's the man holding the two bowling balls and it's a penis. And I should have watched the episode in preparation for this so I could make all the references. But literally, stalagmites and stalactites yeah. are just hanging dicks. As water leaches through the ceiling, it will pool in little bits. And as it pools, the minerals gather and they form. And these make long shafts of descending or ascending, mm-hmm. depending on how the water falls onto it or from it. Uh, formations called stalactites, which are on the top. They hang tight. Or stalagmites, which I might trip over it. That's a fun pneumatic device. I was I was trying to remember how it goes and yeah it was it was yeah stalag tights hang hang tights like mites might yeah over. well and then and then also it it, it I'm, I'm I'm positive that there's a there's another uh, name for this but but even over enough time eventually like if there's one right above another and these deposits keep getting layered on and layered on then eventually like the tips meet right mm-hmm. and, and they touch tips we call that a San Francisco docking. <laughs> In geology terms. <laughs> Geologists are dirty. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, okay, no, perfect, perfect. So, yeah, and, and, and like, I think that's probably one of the ones that people most readily comes to mind, like the whole idea of like water kind of coming in over 
over yeah. extended periods of time and kind of sweeping or eroding away the the the, the softer rock and then leaving the the spiky bits yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and producing it's, it, the spiky bits it, it produces the spiky bits it clears yeah. out the area first and then the spiky bits form after right. that yeah right. and it's okay. and all it is is just you know the dep- whatever the depositional material was the more resistant stuff sticks around and that's where you get like your cave mouth from or or, or you can get ones and this is kind of cool you'll see them in like the the south like in florida and in georgia and louisiana um this car's topography is also sinkholes so as the ground, so oh, as the water yeah. leaches down, it breaks apart the ground, and it hollows out this gigantic basin. And then once this basin has been hollowed out, and the parent rock beneath it is totally gone, then the surface strata it can't support the weight any longer, yeah. and it just collapses. And that's where you see these just great big time. sinkholes that just appear. They've been there forever. They're waiting to eat your house. They're just hanging out until they're ready to do it. Yeah, or like or like full on roads, or yeah, I've 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 seen those pictures on the internet and yeah there's that really um, famous one of the swamp in louisiana it's a sinkhole a sinkhole that opens up in a bayou and it starts drinking the tree it starts drinking up the lake and absorbing the trees just into it and you see this like line of i don't know what kind of trees they are but they just sink and they're gone and that's it like which is is horrifying in its own right yeah 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 well okay i guess um if if i could also very briefly kind of Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah go 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 back to greek so there's um there's another kind of well-known creature or thing in Greek mythology uh, called Charybdis, and oh, we yes. think, and we think that's that's yeah, kind of like a like a whirlpool sinkhole thing that just like swallows water and like was super um, treacherous for ships. And Odysseus was somehow able to sail between both Charybdis, this whirlpool thing, and uh, uh, Scylla, which is like this multi-headed monster. And so mm-hmm. and so like. If you're between a rock and a hard place, if you're stuck between two difficult decisions or two dif- difficult outcomes, you are sail and, and you somehow manage to like find a way through that. Um, yeah, you sail between Scylla and Charybdis. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that's Karst and, and, Caves. Oh, yeah, okay, Karst. Oh, uh, Karst with a with a C or with a K? Uh, K A R S T. Karst. So. All right. So Karst is the first one. It's limestone. It's boring. I hate Karst topography. Whatever. Everyone goes absolutely bad shit for him yeah it's Fuck the off. like basic it's, it's the it's, basic cave it's the basicest bitch and i'm mm. also going to become a real geology snob this episode sorry guys so buckle up <laughs> uh the next one is a primary cave and these are super cool a primary cave is a cave system that is formed as the same time as the surrounding rock around it okay so like versus a car system where you have the original deposition of layers and then over time leaching groundwater into the erosion into the system they're in instead you have rock that forms and then the cave forms at the same time and this is usually this is most commonly found in uh, lava tubes so as you have oh, the cool. the flow of lava yeah. uh, the top starts to harden and cool and as the top starts to harden and cool the the flow of lava beneath it keeps on moving and that forms a tunnel and eventually the the discharge of lava starts to peter out a little bit and then more and more and more and then you get this really cool hole yeah well, I and, like them. I, I think also, they're fun, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I also know that uh, lava tubes just being one type of these caves, but I know that as we are um, kind of looking at missions to the moon and to Mars and trying to establish colonies there, like the uh, uh, lava tubes on those uh, uh, planets or moons or whatever, yeah, like those are like leading contenders for 
places to set up a to set up a colony because you're shielded from radiation and um, you just have to like seal the top off. You don't have to build a full on structure. So who knows? Maybe maybe all of this time, like we spent so many years e- evolved living in caves, and now we're we may just go back to living in caves for a little bit, but on Mars. Yeah, yeah. Like Ka is a wheel gunslinger. Like we've already done this. Right. We'll just do it yeah. again. Yeah, we'll in do, funner time, and newer ways. Yeah, but this time we'll have robots on the internet, so it'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> and then the third one that I want to talk about, it, this is my favorite one because I think these are the most badass caves in existence. Mm. It's it's an alien cave. Does does alien mean anything to you there, Joshua, with your Greekness? Well, uh, if, if, if memory serves, there was a King Aeolus who was like the like the king of the winds. Yes, King of the Winds. Yeah. That's exactly it. It is a sandstone structure that has been weathered over time to ma- by the wind. Literally, the wind beats against desert rock until it makes that these is... like intricate-ass structures. They are so cool. Right now, you're on your phone. You're on your phone listening to this. You have this thing in your hand. Look up. Look up Aeolian Cave Structures. That's, a- that's E-O-L-I-A-N. They are so cool. The wind just like, so what gets me is it happens. The wind will pick up it. You know, the wind blows against, you have the sandstone face. And number one, I hate sandstone. Sandstone is so lazy. Okay, whatever. Moving on from that. Um, I just hate sandstone. It's my least favorite formation. And living in Colorado, I had to look at so much sandstone crap uh, in undergrad stuff. And I hated it. It's just, it's boring. And I get it. Oh, so cool. The Morrison Formation stretches all the way from Denver to Colorado Springs. Shut up. I don't care. It's boring. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, Garden of the Gods is so cool because it's Jurassic Sandstone. Uh, give your balls a tug. I don't care. <laughs> so you have, you, have this, you have this formation of rock. And as wind beats against it, it picks up, uh, it picks up sand molecules. And it begins this process called cavitation where the sand, or the sand grains beat into the rock. And over millions and millions of years the sand beats into this rock and it makes a hole it makes a divot and then over more millions of years it makes a bigger divot and then a bigger divot and then eventually this divot the wind blows through the whole divot taking the same particles of sand and blowing it through and eventually you carve out these huge complex systems of caves uh i think one of the most famous ones is the dragon's eye and i want to say bryce canyon utah okay and it's 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 really high sandstone walls, upwards of about two. I, I want to say at least thirty feet high, forty feet high, but the wind has carved this formation out over hundreds of millions of years, and they're just. I just think they're so cool. Like the idea that wind can wear down a mountain, like not even in a right. metaphorical yeah. sense. Wind is literally going eat a dick mountain. I hate you. I'm yeah. taking you out. <laughs> it's so cool. Like oh, oh it's so is. cool. That is awesome. Well, and, and, and especially to you, like, that um, the sort of... Because part of it, too, seems to be, like, okay, cool, like, lava made this thing or, like, water made this thing. Like, those are, those are like, like massive, as in they have, like, like, like mass. Mm-hmm. Those are powerful things. Like, I wouldn't want to get blown over by lava or I wouldn't want to get, you know, like, hit in the face by a big wave. But versus, like... I can I can stand up to some wind, and look at yeah. what it did to all this yeah all, all these rocks over here. Like look at how impervious and strong I am, or at least that's that's how I like to think of it. 
Until it cavitates holes in you, and then you're just blown apart. Yeah, After or millions of years. Yeah, or it gets in my eyes, and then I like have to cry a little bit, and then get some visine. <laughs> but um, yeah. <laughs> well, we actually have um, actually here hearing uh, n- not in Columbus, but near Columbus, we we have our own little kind of cave that's oh, yeah? uh, pretty well known, and it's called Old Man's Cave. Yeah, like kind of by kind of by Cedar Grove, Ohio, which is like it's like forty five minutes away, something like that. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, one one fine day, the Mrs. Hobbit and I wanted to wanted to uh, get out of the house and go on a little day trip, and so we went to Old Man's Cave in in a Hocking Hills State Park. And there's there's this nice little stream, and we're walking around, we're doing all this and all that, and then we walk the circuit, and we come back to the parking lot. And the Mrs. Hobbit was really, she's like, well, wait, what, where was, where was the cave? Like, did we, did, did we miss it? Because in her mind, she was thinking of something like Cave of the Winds or somewhere like you're down in there and you have a guide with a hard hat and a flashlight. And no, it's just like this little, it's like this little tiny hole in the wall. <laughs> and that's it. And she was so sad. Kind of well, and that's it for... too, and that's that's what it is. Is they 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 show up as kind of little like dugouts in in the in the proto form, and then eventually <laughs> they become into like a complex system. Yeah, and it was it was like it was like it was just like a little yeah, just like a little dugout, little shelf kind of thing, and then yeah. it's like okay, we're back at the gift shop or whatever. Whatever. She was she was just a little mm-hmm. let down because because she was used to she was used to like that big massive complex system but well um, more than likely what that sounds like to me if i can be a total dick about this is that's mm-hmm. a river cave if it's just I a believe, little kind of yeah. dugout in the side of something and you can see these like if and I, I know we're going real inside baseball here but if you go up the uh the high road over creed you look in mm-hmm. those uh you look at the side of the you look in the side hills and there's these like big gaping holes in them and that's what that yeah. is. That's like, it's sort of karst, but not quite. It's just, you know, weathered through a river system instead. It's, it's fluvial yeah. weathering versus like, uh, um, uh, versus that like groundwater leaching style. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and so if you, yeah, if, 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 if you also want, want to check it out, if you go to a, a Hocking Hills State Park on their Wikipedia page, they have, they have a couple kind of cave systems. There's also Ash Cave. There's uh, the the devil's bathtub, which is kind of fun, but yeah, they're they're just these little kind of uh, yeah, like river cave kind of kind of dugout things. Um, it's still very pretty, and I would highly recommend it. But yeah, like if you're expecting the full on spelunking and you're rappelling down, uh, no, no, this is a different this is a different kind of thing. But, <laughs> but it's still very nice. It's still very nice. Go check yeah. it out. It's very. Very, very fun. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I think now is a good time, now that we've covered some like, actual science behind it. you want to talk about mm-hmm. some fun, cool caves in the world? Absolutely. Yeah. You, you want to you kick this pig, buddy? Uh, yeah, sure. Because I feel like I've been talking for a long time, and I feel bad. So you talk for a minute. Oh, no, that's fine. Uh, well, I'm, I'm uh, so afraid of getting way too horned up for geology. Like, even in my notes, I have notes written in, stop, calm down, it's okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, that's well. Actually, I have, I have a, I guess, kind of a. This this may kind of be a dumb question, but then I, I don't know. Maybe there's no yeah. such thing as dumb questions. What about what about like um, 
Does it have to be just made in rock to be a cave? Or could it be... Because um, one So that you can have, like, uh, glacial caves is a big one? Because one of the ones that... Um, um, that I that I kind of came across and sound, sounds kind of cool is um, uh, this is in this is apparently uh, in a section of the Alps, okay, uh, in Austria, and this is the uh, Eisriesenwelt, okay, uh, and apparently from the German that is World of the of the Ice Giants, and uh, yeah, this that is, is this so is, cool, and this is the largest ice cave in the world. Extending awesome. uh, more than twenty six miles, it's like a marathon. You could, oh my god! Assuming that you could kind of clear out a mostly level path and kind of do like you, you could run close to a marathon in this um, ice cave. Um, and, and and so yeah, and, well, and this also this also was formed apparently by a river just kind of mm-hmm. slowly going through and, and melting as opposed to like um, eroding. Uh, the the rock, but but uh, but but yeah. Well, this, no, this, it's this, it's this, literally the exact same thing. Melting is erosion. Right. Just you know, even and not not to get too weird about it, but that even brings up a really funny point. I in um in college, I had a professor, and he posed the very serious question in geomorphology: What is ice? Is ice a mineral mm. or is it not? Mm-hmm. Because it's a hard substance, or hard yeah, it's a hard substance. It's a brittle substance. It has a crystalline structure. So it's ticking off all these things that it could be a rock and or mineral, but we all know it's frozen water. But so what's the difference between like ice and gold? I, gold is a mineral. Gold melts at a certain degrees or at a certain temperature. Ice mm-hmm. just happens to melt at 32 degrees uh, Fahrenheit or zero degrees Celsius. So like the idea of classifying these things as are they caves or are they not or whatever, like so you look at it, is ice a mineral or is ice just water? I don't I don't know. Sorry, that was a weird tangent, but No, I I think I get what you're saying. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I guess well, cuz it's got a definite chemical composition. It's got a definite it's got a very very defined uh crystal habit. Like mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes, ice is this weird crystal that we can just make super or, or weird mineral that we can just like manufacture. But we can manufacture yeah. other crystals like out of ammonia and whatever. So true, true. It's I don't know. It, it, it's kind of a high-minded idea. Sorry, I I got weird. <laughs> no, no, no. That's all right. That's all right, man. Um, yeah. No. Uh. Well, and then I also. I, so I actually took a little while and I, um, went back and found this because I mentioned this at the beginning that mm-hmm. uh, went 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 cave tubing and I believe this is the one. I'm looking at some pictures and I'm pretty sure that this is it. Um. And yeah, this is in. Uh, Belize, and it's the Caves Branch River that, okay. um, yeah, apparently makes makes these karst these these karst uh, type type caves that you're talking about, um, and yeah, it's just it's just that one's also pretty fun, mostly because I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's cool. No, even like having the context of like, oh yeah, Cave of the Winds, Carlsbad Caverns are fucking lame. Sorry, I can't swear. I'm a hobbit. Fucking lame. Whatever. I don't care. I'll leave it out. Um, they're lame as shit. but yeah, like it's a good point of reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. What, what are one? What, what are some? What are some interesting caves that you have? You have in mind? Because because I I I kind of like hit the hit the tennis ball back to you, and if you are gonna <laughs> just like power slam it right in my face, that's okay. That's okay. yeah. No, I will. Uh, with this one, and it's probably one you've seen before. <laughs> it's super famous. Mm-hmm. Like, but I wanted to cover because it it's it's. It's weird. Okay, so it's it's called the Cave of Crystals. 
It's in a okay. Chihuahua, Mexico. Mm-hmm. So this cave sits 1,000 feet below the surface of the mm-hmm. earth, right? Yeah. Which already, it, it's already so deep. That's so weird to me that you can go 1,000 feet underneath the ground. I think the deepest yeah. I ever dug was like 15 feet ever. Right. And then my mom yeah. said I had to fill it in because she was afraid I was going to kill myself in my weird <laughs> tunnel in the backyard. But, but yeah. Well, okay, like that, to be fair, it was it. the back like North 40, but I still like, you know. But, she was but, concerned, but, but that's just and it. I wasn't like, buttressing, so. Well, and and even, but but I think that just highlights your points, though. It's like 15 feet down, and we're already like, okay, this could turn out real bad. Versus like, okay, now multiply that through whatever e- e- equation when you're 1,000 feet underground. Yeah, yeah man. Whew. You got the Cave of Crystals in Chihuahua, Mexico. It's 1,000 feet below the surface of the Earth. So you're negative 1,000. I, I guess that's how that works. I don't know the elevation of Chihuahua, Mexico. I didn't look it up. I'm a bad hobbit, whatever. But I like to assume we're negative 1,000 feet below sea level. It was discovered when miners drilled into a passage that had just been drained. So they put in pumps, and they drained the water up out of this. They drained the water out of this area, and they punched through a wall. And when they punched through the walls, they find these gigantic selenite crystals. These are the oh, wow. largest crystals ever discovered. I know you've seen this before. Everybody has seen this before. It's this cave in Mexico. And there are these great big, like, 20-foot-long, hundreds of thousands of ton crystals. But why I wanted to talk about it was that this cave system is so perfectly built to create these crystals. It's insane. Mm. So, number one, you have um, the water content has extra um, silicate in it because of just, just the breakdown of the soil profile. You get extra silicate in the water. It's a it's a sandy kind of it's a sandy water if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then on yeah. top of that, this chamber sits above a lava chamber, and this lava chamber superheats. The, it was superheating the water in the cave, so that it was creating these conditions that were literally like the perfect conditions to create things. And that's where you get these like these are the largest crystals in the entire world that we know about so far. That's cr- well, yeah, because because I think I and again my. My geology knowledge is is next to nothing, but I but I was wanting to say that like I, I I'm pretty sure I picked up somewhere that that heat is 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 important to crystal formation. Yeah, it's a big part of it. Well, it's a big part of uh of, of rock formation. Like even with like right yeah yeah even never mind. I'm not going to get into the rock cycle. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> it's too much. Um, but no. So the so then you have this cave system. And the average temperature I saw was between 115 and 136 degrees. Uh, crews can stand, or crews of researchers can stand there for about five minutes without protective gear, and then up to 30 minutes with protective gear. And that's like a thermal suit with a uh, battery-powered water-cooled pack. Yeah. Oof. Oh, that's that would insane. Be, that would but be then here's neat. the coolest part. Okay. They found this cave, or they found this chamber with all these with all these giant crystals in it, and so the the scientists said, "You know what? The hell with it. Let's see what else they can do." So they sealed it back up and reflooded it. Huh? And they started watching the growth of the crystals, and they started growing again. That's that's baller. That's pretty like, baller. And, and 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 granted, it was with like it was in the microns. It was in the tiniest scope that you could imagine. Still, yeah. But just but that, in that but amount of time can... between the superheated lava chamber below and then the super uh, 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 silicated water fluid, right. silicious ooze fluid on top, 
Salicious Susan's the right word. I apologize. That's carbon, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, it's, it, it's, it's literally, you call it a Goldilocks cave or a Goldilocks condition because, yeah, oh, geez. this cave is too hot. This cave doesn't have enough water. This cave in Chihuahua, Mexico is just right. It's just right. That's so And they're cool. actively growing these selenite crystals. Like, and you can't do anything yeah, with them. They don't do shit, but it's so cool. They're just there. Yeah, they're there. They're doing their yeah. thing. And and we well and, and, and um yeah, even if even if it is like one or two microns, like that's that's still something that all right, we flooded we we or we, we, we drained it, we pumped all the water out. Let's just let's just fire that bad boy up again and, and see what happens. Like, yeah, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. I like that too. Well and and they also had to close it because um the miners so the Mexican miners, as they were going in, mm-hmm. they it's funny. This is like the closest approximation we can ever get to a Balrog because the Mexicans dug too deeply and too greedily. They had to close off this particular chamber because the miners, um, they started trying to go into it to like chip off bits of the selenite crystal and they would just mm-hmm. die because they couldn't handle the extreme hot. temperature and, hu- and humidity. There's right. like zero oxygen in there anyway. It's, it's not a place for humans to right. be. Yeah. And as they get into it, like, they just go into this chamber and they literally die within minutes. So right. well, yeah, the entire like, operation had to stop. And I really, I don't even know if it's like they want to see how big the crystals can grow by flooding it. They're like, no, no, we're going to reflood this chamber because people keep dying because they want to yeah. get these gigantic crystals. That No, the, the, the metaphor of the Balrog, I think, is like perfect there. And I don't know, I don't know the hardness of these crystals, but I would imagine that you can't just like easily break off a, a hunk and then like book it back out i'd imagine you'd have to like yeah, swing I, your rock hammer a couple times i didn't and look up i didn't i didn't look that up i'm sorry no 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 i i would just imagine so um but uh well well and that's even like as you're getting nearer and nearer like the 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 it's not like you're going from a nice balmy 72 into suddenly this 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 higher temperature like you're constantly getting hotter and hotter the closer you go but yeah uh, yeah Whew. yeah it's, i think it, maybe it could fun. be it may be for everyone's best that we yeah have sealed that sealed that back up until we can get like heat proof suits and then we can go crazy yeah and then we're yeah then it really will be minecraft hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you do you have another fun cave system you want to talk about um well i I, maybe not like a uh any cave system and i don't know if this was also on your notes and you're going to get to it later but i was just wanting to maybe um make the observation that cave life the 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 types of uh animals that live in caves they can be super fun and weird and goofy and a a little bit scary it's really Um, funny that you mentioned that (gasps) oh did I just read your mind? You read my mind, buddy, because this okay, next perfect. segment, without jumping too far ahead of you, I want to call it Attack of the Cave Beasts. What do you got? What's a cave beast? What do you got? What? Well, well, just, I, um, uh, I, I just know that in general, because they're in caves and they're not exposed to sunlight, they, of course, have... Um, evolved various adaptations along the way like certain certain things have proved out to be uh more fit to living in that environment and so i know a lot of times 
They get super big eyes just to try to absorb any sort of light that may happen mm-hmm. to come in. Um, and I also know that they that that these organisms have figured out, hey, um, I don't need to invest my evolution points in things like pigment for my skin, so I'm just going to go translucent. And it's really cool for us, re- well, not us researchers, I'm not going into caves and looking at uh, fauna, but it's really cool for researchers because it's you like You rafted a, through a cave. You're a damn researcher. You're there. You well, put in yeah, field work. I, I took pictures with my Kodak disposable camera, which I don't Bam. think I have developed. I don't think I have that developed even. So if film is still good in those after five years, then we'll see. But... <laughs> Uh, but like you, so like you, you scoop up this little tadpole or shrimp or whatever's growing in there, and you just see its circulatory system doing its thing. You see its digestive system doing its thing, just because it's 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 see through, because they don't need to like block out the the sun's radiation. Yeah. And bats, bats are in there too. I, bats, I know that. Bats are thick. <laughs> we'll get into bats in, in a hot second here. Yeah. So. I guess, yeah, I'll just jump into this one real quick. Uh, cause, mm-hmm. Yeah, because, yeah, here we are. So, again, attack of the cave beasts. So the first one I want to talk about is the underground lizard people, which is more to say the underground colony of lizards that are going to take okay. over the world. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a yeah. thing called an, an ulm. O-L-M. O-L-M. Plural is ulms. O-L-M-S. And what they are is these little 8 to 12 inch long salamanders that live in underwater caves. Uh, they consist primarily off of fish, crustaceans, and they're blind. Or fish and crustaceans, and they're blind. But, mm. but, but, in this environment, these olms are the apex predator. Figure, they are 8 to 12 inches long. They're already at least 5 times as long as anything that they are hunting. They have uh, hands and feet. They're, it's these little tiny. They're, they have the dumbest little like legs coming off of them, <laughs> but they got it. And these legs allow them to like both grip onto the underside of rocks and stuff, and you know grab and whatever, and move quicker than they can move on. They can move on rock versus and underwater. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. 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 Like just those wee tiny arms and legs are insane. They these Joshua. These are the apex predator of their kingdoms, and they are the masters of their domain. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> they live in the uh, Dineric Alps. So this is in Europe, okay? And this is why I say these are the lizard people that are going to take over the world. This, they live in cave systems which span through Italy, Slovenia, Croatia, Bosnia-Herzegovina, Serbia, Montenegro, and Albania. Okay. These things are everywhere underneath. They are literally the lizard people that are going to come up and take over the planet with their wee tiny limbs. <laughs> you just kind of, just kind of like doing their thing and <laughs> like, well, I, I also, that distribution is life. insane to me. Like, yeah, no, they're, they're across they're... like that entire range. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah. my God. Well, and 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 with their little their little nubby limbs, they can they're, they're they're still like, I guess I guess in in my head I have like like a scene from like a from like a horror movie playing out, where here's this like 
team of like crack commandos wading shin high through like a like a cave cave water and someone pulls their flashlight over and, and they see these little guys and they're just like oh look at these little things it's like oh whatever they're just in the water and then like their little their little legs just go and stick out and then they just like like zip up and they dart up along the cave wall and everyone's like shooting like kind of like with predator everyone just kind of unloads into the jungle <laughs> except it's in a cave everyone's blindly shooting in the cave and this little ulm is just like whipping around like nobody's business everyone's gone deaf now it's <laughs> yeah and then they're blind too but the olms were already blind so they just yeah but ex- so so now so again they're they're the apex predator they're in their yeah. environment they're in their element it's, yeah and i like them because because really like all silliness aside they are the apex predator like this little eight inch salamander will de- will devastate any other thing in this cave like I know there is that expression, like, you know, big, big fish in, in a little pond. And that's not at all to take away anything from these guys, because I'm already like Team, team Olm. Like, <laughs> sign me up. We'll print some T-shirts. But it is. But, but I think it also just kind of speaks to the fact that, like, yeah, we, we got a it's a big earth. And there's lots of there's lots of ponds of various sizes or temperature or salinity, whatever. And like, if you are able to figure out the best thing for that place, then get it, buddy. Yeah, get after it. Like, you got her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so next I want to move down south, way down south, to uh, New Zealand. Oh, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Particularly to the uh, Waitomo Caves, and Waitomo is Aboriginal for Maori uh, Y, which means water, and Tomo, which means holer shaft. So basically it's a cave with a... Uh, kind of sounds like a river just runs through it and it oh. goes underneath the ground. But mm-hmm. so this cave is super famous for a number of things, including but not limited to um, albino cave ants, giant cave crickets. But one thing it's super into, and you might have heard of these, are their uh, glowworm population. Uh, I, yeah, glow, glowworms. That was another one. Because, like, aren't these the ones, too, that, like... I thought there was one species of glowworms that like kind of hang down from the ceiling. This is like, them, yeah. Burst. Oh, okay, okay, perfect. Uh, Ragnocampa luminosa. So yeah, it's like you're saying. Right. And so number glow, one, and they glow. Number one, these are a type of uh, a thing that they are a uh, they're a wasp that eats fungus, but their larval stage is this glowworm. So number one, Josh, put on your back burner fungus. We're gonna get there in a second. Mushrooms oh are here. Oh boy, they're here too. They're here too. They're here, buddy. So yeah, they're like you're caves. saying, uh, these glowworms hang from the ceiling, and they drip down these strands of uh, silk, and they use bioluminescence to light up the silk, and it attracts these wee wee tiny cave gnats that just kind of fly around eating bat shit and whatever else lives in this cave. Right. And they get up right. into the glowing things, and then these glowworms pick them up, meet them, and eventually they turn into the uh, wasps that then go on to eat the fungus in the caves. Mm. Another thing this cave is famous for is a huge population of something called a long, thin eel, which grow up to three and a half feet long. Whoa. And it's super cool because long, thin eels are a big part of life, or they're, they're, a, they're, they're a pretty solid part of the Maori culture. They eat them. But then I went down a r- weird rabbit hole about eel breeding, which it, just real quick. So eels are like reverse salmon where they will lay their eggs out at sea. They will swim all the way from whatever they're in out to sea, deposit their eggs and die. 
but they deposit it on the surface of the water and fertilize it there too. And then these wee tiny little baby proto eels hatch and eventually they drift back to the caves and we're back to like their original source. This can take up to 15 months as wee tiny baby eels. And I think that's adorable (laughs) and horrifying. Yeah. I I think those adjectives are, are spot on. Like, and, and I, yeah, I, Oh man. See, I almost want to do an episode on eels. We don't, we right now as humans have no idea how eels reproduce. We kind of have some clue, but we don't know because we've never seen it. But we We do know that these long fin eels do swim out to sea, uh, lay a cloud of eggs, uh, fertilize that cloud of eggs, and then they die. And then that cloud of eggs gets drifted back, which is pretty cool anyway. Like, no, that is, that is, it's like, it's like the Amazon of uh, babies, sort of, (laughs) if you don't think about it too hard. But one more thing, the mm-hmm. walls of this cave, they are lined with a fungus called a cave flower, which is really closely related to something called a pleuritus, which is just a flowering mushroom that is really highly edible, and most things can eat it. But this goes back to my point, Joshua, a couple episodes ago, about mm-hmm. how mushrooms are everywhere, just and everywhere. the life in these caves pretty much revolves around eating these mushrooms or getting other things to eat these mushrooms. These mushrooms are these damn caves. <laughs> Yeah, These I, sons of bitches, they're here, they're shrooms, they're making room. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> that, that also seems to be like a fairly familiar trope or stereotype or archetype even. Yeah, like, like, like mushroom caves. Like you're mm-hmm. in this dark, kind of humid, kind of damp place. And yeah, and the, the, there's just like, like mushrooms sprawling everywhere. Mushrooms seem to flourish, and they Mm -hmm. seem to flourish even with the lack of photosynthesizing plants around them. But it seems like they flourish with the um, biomass that's already in the caves, like the fish and the bugs and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's it's gross. I don't like it. It's all it's all it's all mushrooms. It's all mushrooms. So leaving so leaving New Zealand, we're gonna go to one more spot. We're gonna go to Africa, the Golden Gators of Gabon. So. In the Abanada cave system in Gabon, Africa, there is a population of dwarf crocodiles which live exclusively underground in a cave system. This cave Mm. system is populated by bats and other things, but the big thing to take from this is that bats live there, so there are tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of bat shit. And what do these gators eat, Josh? That's right, they eat the bat shit. (laughs) So... After thousands of generations of what we can assume is these gators just eating bat shit in the dark, you now have a population of dro- uh, They're not gators, to be fair. They're crocodiles, but gators okay. is easier to say than crocs, right. I guess, whatever. But yeah. you have a population of, croc- of dwarf crocodiles that are completely orange from eating only bat shit and, co- and almost completely blind from living in the caves. Scientists think that these alligators are actually... A set, they're a they're a branch evolution that we can actually actively observe. Whoa, that's because oh no other no other reptile or no other alligator and or crocodile in the world gets most of yeah. its bo- gets most of its fuel from eating bat shit, which is crazy good for you if you're a gardener. Like guano is yeah, right. insanely great. Guano's a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they are thought to now be a new type of crocodilian. That oh man. They're a bright orange color. And then a, a lot of stuff I was reading said that they will not disclose where this cave system is. Yeah. 
because native africans are really good at taking something that looks and it's not native africans it's the world at large but like Mm -hmm. they're good at taking something that looks different and saying this will make your dick hard and if you don't believe me look at like the black rhino look at like literally anything uh tigers um uh sun bears in china Mm-hmm. Humans just want their dicks to get hard, and they will do it by murdering species that look just slightly different. Like, yeah, and then like drying and like grinding it up into a powder and then snorting it or something. Yeah, that's no, but yeah, like that's a whole Futurama thing with with uh, human horns. Yeah, yeah, yeah human horns. Just, yeah, and uh, we're not going to yeah. learn until someone starts harvesting our lower horns. Damn it. <laughs> Take my nose! Take my nose! Take my nose! Take my nose! <laughs> what, what I what I was wanting to kind of get into is is so like what? Oh man, I'm, this is this is so this is so mind blowing. I'm, I'm having trouble even like <laughs> figuring out where I want to start. Okay, it's, yeah, that's fine. But but it seems like yeah, it 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 seems like the bat. And specific, and and even maybe like specifically guano, like that mm-hmm. seems to be like the building block for a lot of cave cave animals and, and cave life. Like oh, absolutely, like yeah, like, like like out here in the sun, it's like plant life and photosynthesis. Like that's essentially like the first the foundation for a lot of food chain or the or the food cycle, I guess in some in some instances. And then it can, and then it all kind of spirals from there. But it seems, yeah, like bats, but more specifically, bat shit. Like that's that's like okay. S- step one: have bats uh, poop, and then it's just like maybe not a maybe not a Cambrian explosion, but a Crappian explosion. Yes, <laughs> and then just life just life takes off because because. Because guano's a thing, and like, well, and, and even like, so far as um, like, it's an industry. Like, there are people who put on oh, their muck boots. Oh, it's a huge industry. Yeah, put on their muck boots and get their wheelbarrow and shovel, and that's that's how they that's how they uh, bring home the bacon. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. No, that guano is crazy. It's it's. Yeah, it's like nitrogen rich. Uh, you, you, uh, it's like the greatest fertilizer you can get. It's, yeah, it's it's super good. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. It's, well, and and um, uh, even even just the variety of bats out there, fruit bats that just eat eat nectar and pollen, and then there are uh, various types of bat predators who eat bugs or things. Then of, of course there are the vampire bats. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh and and yet and yet it just all it all boils down to what not what they eat but what happens with after they eat and yeah then it just kind of um i've i've also um i've come across a couple of these just kind of out, out of the blue uh as as i'm sure you know jonesy bats are famous for hanging upside down um, yes but if you take videos of them and then rotate them 180 so it, <laughs> so so they're Head, I, I won't say right side up because right side up for them is upside down. Anyway, but you <laughs> take a video of them just like hanging out and doing their thing, uh, but but yeah, like rotate it so that their heads are at at the top of the screen, and it's it's adorable. 
They're yeah. just they're just chilling. They're just doing their thing. And kind of like Fun waddling along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you have, have you ever gone? Um, I want to say of all places in Austin, Texas. They uh, have no, like. I have not. The, the, I've never been they, to Texas, so. Fair enough. Um, but 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 yeah, like of all places in Austin, Texas, like they go crazy. They have like 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 bat watching tours mm-hmm. where they like get everybody together and get a couple drinks in them and, and then like you watch the bats all go flying out at night and um and like doing like that so so they also kind of gain they have their own kind of uh kind of popular following yeah 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 absolutely yeah. that's a cool i like bats i could do a whole that's episode of bats they're just they're neat they are they are and and, and, and they well maybe i'll save that for this potential um, later episode, but uh, but yeah, yeah, caves. They're translucent or albino animals, but th- but it's really interesting that these crocodiles are bright bright orange. That is that's kind of fascinating to me. Yeah, it's and something about like just them eating all this bat right. shit in the super hot cave is what turned them orange. But <laughs> or maybe Which they're is like so weird to me. Like even that, just like you have a population. So like. These crocodile, these dwarf crocodiles exist all over Africa, but you mm-hmm. have this one isolated population in a cave. And this is what's really cool about caves is they're super good biological barriers. So you right. have yeah. individual systems that don't change, that can't change unless like something extreme happens. So right yeah. here, you just have this very isolated pocket, which they think is about between 100 and 200 gators. They just, they just live. And it's, it's a lot of fun. That's, oh man, that's, that's so cool. That's really cool. So I got. Do you have another cave, Joshua? You want to go? No, with, I, I'm. I'm. I've just been enjoying this 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 journey. And good. Uh, I've got one more. Then. Okay, great. <laughs> great. Enjoy your journey no more, sir. The fun ends here. I'm. I'm just on my inner tube, floating down this river cave system. But based on that laughter, maybe, maybe we're about to go, go, go. Maybe like have a drop. Like a, oh, like a 30-foot drop down or something. We're going to drop. We're going to drop into something called <laughs> the moon shaft. Mm. So I'm going to take you on a little trip here, Joshua. Okay. The year is 1944. The Second World War is raging. In the uh, Tatra mountain range in Slovakia, a young soldier of fortune slash guerrilla slash freedom fighter named Antonin Horvak, well, he is under fire from the Wehrmacht, you know, mm. the Nazis. Yep, yep. And as him and his company comes under fire, Horvath gets shot and stabbed in the hand. And he ah. dies in a trench. Ooh. But just kidding, he's not dead. Okay. He wakes up in this trench a couple <laughs> days later, and he makes a point to note this on 1022. I don't know when he got attacked by the Wehrmacht, but we know for sure he starts journaling entries on 1022 okay. of 1944. Yep. So he wakes up in the same trench that he's been in. There is a local herder there by the name of Slavak. And I mm. might be saying these names wrong, and I'm real sorry, but we don't have anybody from Slovakia. Listen to us, so go to hell. <laughs> Find the show, learn English, and then get mad at me for it. <laughs> so Slavak, he found uh, Horak and two other soldiers. He managed to stabilize one that had gotten shot, and then he took them on a four-hour hike through the, through the Tatra Mountains to a cave. When they, re- when they reached the, this hole in the wall, 
the guy took out something and he drew several weird like carvings in, or several weird characters into it and said a couple passages from the Bible. And then they went into the cave. He told Horak that he would return with food in the next couple hours. But don't go any deeper into the cave. This cave is dangerous. I've only been here twice. It is full of pitfalls and toxic gas. And you just don't want to do it. But the Nazis will not find you here. You are safe mm. here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... As they're as they're sitting there, uh, Horvak is waiting for Slavek to come back, and he's he's not there. And it becomes abundantly clear with this encroaching storm that he's not going to be back for a couple days. He's right. got two guys with him. One of them is badly injured. So Horak makes the choice to go look for some food. So he immediately breaks his promise to Slavak that he's not going to explore this cave, and just takes you know his gun and a pickaxe and some uh, pine torches with him. This okay. dude is going, like, Minecraft beta. He's got yeah. a pickaxe and some torches. <laughs> he's, he's just, and, and he is. Just just, just don't dig straight down. Never dig st- straight down. Don't dig straight down. Horak follows uh, the passages in the cave for about an hour. His greatest hope is that, like, it's this is October in the mountains. Maybe right, something yeah. has decided to bed down and he can, mm-hmm. like, get down on something that's sleeping and kill it and get some protein for him and his boys. Because they don't have food and uh, Slavak is delayed by the weather. Right. So as he's going down, he uh, he's looking for anything that he might be able to eat. And he comes upon this weird kind of hole in the wall. It looks He calls it a vent. Mm-hmm. He's been traveling through the caves for an hour and a half for 90 minutes. For three episodes of Family Guy, just in the dark with a torch, already off-putting as all hell. But he talks about how easy it was to traverse this. Cool, mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah. So as he's going, he comes onto this vent, and he finds that he can slip through this vent. And once he does, he encounters this large grotto. And just think of a grotto as, you know, a big hollowed-out region. Not the... Not the Hugh Hef- not the Hugh Hefner grotto, different grotto. Sort of the same, but not quite. You know, there's okay. mineral deposition there. There's probably hot temperatures. There's probably some gross, gross stalagmites from the ceiling and tights. You know, s- that we don't need to talk about. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So he, so he slips into the grotto. He goes into the grotto and it's massive. And inside this grotto are stalagmites and stalactites, and they're covered with almost an enamel. Uh, an enamel finish so where you would have like typically kind of porous rock that you can touch and feel this is like slick and as he's going he finds a large dark perfectly cylindrical object that is pitch black and smooth to the touch what now I don't know what Horak found but to be perfectly honest, I think he found a UFO. As he walks around this object, he he finds a crack inside of it, and he starts picking up pebbles and whipping the pebbles into it. And as he whips the pebbles in, he realizes that, number one, this thing is hollow. He can hear the echo throughout the, the, the chamber of this tube. Mm-hmm. But it also has a definite floor. There, he's just, you know, throw them in, and it clicks across the bottom. So he takes his pickaxe and starts beating the shit out of this thing, but he can't break it. Right, right. And so Horak, doing the smart thing, he goes back to his buddies at the mouth of the cave. He doesn't say much to him. He doesn't talk about what he found. He doesn't say anything. Just, oh, no, there, there was nothing there. I will find more tomorrow. Fine. Right, 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 right. So he sleeps on it, and then he goes back. And he, he, uh, he over the next couple of days, he returns to this cave a couple, or this chamber a couple of times. 
he kind of figures out that it's a large crescent moon shape. And as far as he can tell, it's about 25 meters around, so figure about 115 feet uh, across. But Torchlight does not reach the top of the chamber, so it's it's pretty mm. tall. Yeah. And what we're looking at here, I think, is like a super, uh, is, is really indicative of a karst topography. You have stalactites, stalagmites, and then a large hollowed-out grotto chamber. But then as he's going around, he, uh, he realizes that he can't break into the cylinder with his pickaxe. He tries a couple more times. So he just explores the crescent moon chamber when he comes upon a skull. A skull. What? Okay, yeah. He comes upon the skull of a cave bear. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, well, yeah. that's at least a little... I okay. buried the lead, but here it is. In this little chamber, he finds Uzhurod cave bear skeleton. Now, Joshua, these have been extinct for 25,000 years. These stopped existing about the time that humans started to start murdering all of them, right? Whew, yeah. He has found a UFO, allegedly. Um, as he's going through, he finds the walls. If he shoots the walls, they emit a toxic or they emit a green flash and a gas. You were talking about gases earlier on with the right. Oracle of Delphi. Mm-hmm. And so part of me wonders if Horak didn't shoot something and start tripping nuts. Cause Horak is not a scientist. We need to point this out straight mm-hmm. away. Right, right. He's not a scientist. He's a soldier and he starts shooting the walls and kind of trip. Maybe he trips nuts on the cave stink dust. Right. Whatever. Yeah. But so all he has found in his travels is the skeleton of a dire bear, which is pretty damn cool because it gives us, if nothing else, it gives us an approximate dating of this cave. This cave has existed at least for the last 25,000 years. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of fun. Um, so he returns to the spot for the next couple days and finds more and more stuff. But eventually one of his squad mates dies, the one that was critically injured, whose name I did not bother to learn. And they decide, well, him and the other guy decide, well, now that Boris is dead, we can, we can move on. And they do. And so the last thing that Horak does is he takes, um, he takes his belt and he writes some uh, instructions in, or some information on the leather of the belt, puts that leather in a glass bottle, drops that glass bottle into the mouth of the vent where he originally found this cave and seals up the entrance. Gotcha. Right? We get all this information from Horak's diary. Horak immigrated to the United States, and he told this story to a one Dr. J. Allen Hynek, and I don't know if that name rings any bells to you, but when I found this story, it set off every bell to me because J. Allen Hynek was one of the leading researchers on the United States government Project Blue Book, which was huh? the project to understand and discover every, or understand and catalog all UFO sightings in right. the United States. Yeah, 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 yeah. And more importantly, he brought his journal and he, I guess he returned to the cave years later. He did immigrate to the United States, I guess in like 1960 under the name Tony Horvac, Horak. Mm-hmm. And he returned back to sort of that site and took some pictures. So he presented this information to Dr. J. Allen Hynek in Pueblo, Colorado, in J. Allen Hynek's home in Pueblo, what? Colorado what? in 1970. <laughs> Now, J. Allen Hynek presented this research or this information to MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network. Mm. It is believed that Horak might have found a crashed UFO ship. That's, Maybe. Uh, That's me. That's me wanting to believe. 
but there were several other expeditions. They don't have anything that really turned up, but according to Horak, he gives a precise GPS location, which I will not give, because I will not give our listeners the ability to find this on their own, because I want to find it, goddammit. <laughs> and there are no happy endings with Horak in this case. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing is that he didn't go into this looking for acclaim or approval. He just found a thing and wanted to talk about it with somebody. So he talked to uh, J. Allen Hynek and some others about it. But as um, the years went down, this case got disseminated. And then in 2019, it's presented to a uh, Euro- middle year. It's presented to a European, uh, I guess a web browser. A guy found a crescent shaped formation of trees that he believes to be this moon shaft. Mm. It's kind of fun. Yeah. 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 And there's nothing, I, I don't know. There's no real conclusions, but what gets me is that Horak was fighting with Nazis in Slovakia and the Nazis were real close to his position. And as you may well know, Joshua, the Nazis were all about the occult. Yes. Yes, they were. And I wonder if the Nazis didn't know about number one, maybe a downed UFO or the Nazis were looking for an entrance to the hollow earth, which we might know as Agartha. But that is a topic for two other wizards to discuss. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. What a. <sighs> now, finally, there is one more cave system that I want to discuss, and this might be the most important to to you and I. Okay. Nay, yeah. nay, nay. Nay, 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 the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These might be the most important caves to us culturally. They exist in Kyoto, Japan. Huh? And they were explored by a young Shigeru Miyamoto. That's... Who was inspired by the exploration of these caves to true. create the Legend of Zelda franchise. Legend of Zelda. That is true. Well, and, and, and there is. I, I think even just in that... I think we sort of teased this thesis, but we just might as well come out and say it. I think caves yeah. also caves also generally just mean adventure. They mean caves mean adventure. Yeah, they, they they mean gearing yourself up, getting your torch, getting your pickaxe, getting a a pistol or a shovel or something, just in case you run into something that you need to bop on the head. Um, yeah, and and yeah, you you gear yourself up and you and you go in and you don't quite know what to expect and you explore and you find stuff, you find new things, you find new creatures, you find new treasures. Um, and then you make yeah. the legend of Zelda. And then you make the legend of Zelda. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. That's he it. He used to explore the caves behind his house and that's what made him want to make Zelda. Like, and, and, and with like caves as adventure too, isn't it, isn't it when, uh, uh, Beowulf fights Grendel. Doesn't he go into Grendel's cave? Or when he fights he his fights mom? He fights Grendel's mother at the bottom, uh, in a lake at the bottom of a cave, or yeah. in a cave at the bottom of a lake, right? Right, yeah. And, and, yeah. and that's even, yeah, so, so so that's even part of it too, is it's like, yeah, like there's, there is something nasty or unknown in these caves that you got to like, yeah, kind of wrestle with and either tear his arm off or like stab her with your sword. Um, 
but but yeah, well, and, and, and even just uh, uh, returning to another uh, standby of ours, uh, uh, Joseph Campbell, like that—that's uh-huh. one of his big things. That's one of his big things. Into the cave, yeah, yeah, with the, with the with the hero cycle is you, and and we also talked about that's where that's where Bilbo gets the ring, mm-hmm. and that's where Luke Skywalker goes to to confront his his fears. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it well, and, and even just symbolically too, like going underground, going into the earth. That's that's also kind of symbolic of dying, and then like resurrecting and coming back. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it is. It, it's just it's just something that's gonna that, that that has stuck with us and has had a variety of meanings for a long time, and it, it's going to continue to. Whenever Elon Musk sends the first people over to Mars and they start setting up their uh their colony in lava tubes in, in those caves like that's they're they're going to face that whole thing and then they're going to have to fight giant martian spiders that we didn't know lived in these caves so we we did <laughs> D- uh, david bowie told us about him they're the spiders from mars right yeah and if only like with so <laughs> like with so many other things in life if we just listened to bowie more we'd be in yeah we'd be oh god don't get me started <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> Yeah, so caves. I don't know. I don't know if the moon shaft is real. I like to think it is. I really like to think that Horak found a UFO, but nah, whatever. I don't care. Like, yeah, it's it's even just the the story. But even without it, like the dude, even like if you take it at base level, like the guy got shot and stabbed. He found a cave bear skeleton and kind of tripped nuts over it. Like, <laughs> that's pretty cool. It's that's pretty cool. neat. Like, it's very cool. Yeah. And we didn't even talk about, like, the, um, what do you call it, the Cave of Forgotten Dreams in France or whatever. It's, like, the earliest depiction of human art. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't it, even it, touch on that. Like, that's a whole other thing. Didn't even touch on it. Yeah, it's some of the information, some of the earliest information about, um, yeah, early humans. And, well, and, and, and even, like, uh, um, cave burials, too. I think, I think yeah. there's some pretty famous discoveries that kind of show a lot so yeah i think uh yeah caves are just they're uh they're a maybe even like an an inextricable part of us we can't we can't separate what it means to be human from what it means to explore caves or live in caves or be adjacent to caves be be a young shigeru miyamoto walk about the caves in your hometown and explore and get horned up for KV Mayhem and the adventures therein. Like, <laughs> KV Mayhem. I love it. Nah, caves are a deep subject without making like an awfully dumb pun, but yeah, dude, like, <laughs> I don't know. I I appreciate you letting me get horned up for geology and silliness with this one. And caves, they're fun. I don't know. Caves are, are wonderful. They're awe inspiring. Just make sure you have a good pair of boots that you don't mind uh getting getting bat bat guano on if you're going to go check them out um and and and, and yeah so so listeners as we as we um bring this to a close here what are maybe you have a favorite cave that that we didn't talk about maybe you've also done some amateur spelunking or even uh cave scuba diving because you have brass ones. Um, you have bigger ones than Joshua and I. Yeah, and good on you for making those also fit through tight cave holes. Um, but if you want to, <laughs> if you want to get, get in touch with us, there we go. 
Damn it, I tried so hard. I know. No, 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 it's, it's, it's all right, it's all right. But if you do want to um, get get in contact with us, share your stories or even pictures, who knows? Maybe you, who knows? Maybe you've even taken some pictures. Um, pics or it didn't happen. Pics or it didn't happen. Any uh, Yankee Doodle can come along and say he's been in a cave, but yeah, pics, pics or it didn't happen. And how might they share those pics with us, Jonesy? So you can share them with us directly at twowizardspodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at twowizardspodc1 or on Instagram at twowizardspodcast. And you can find me personally on Instagram at greatgreekbuffalo or Marky Stardust on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter at plaidbarbarian. And um, yeah, I get the feeling that as soon as we kind of wrap this up here and as I lay my head down to sleep, um, I, I, I can already imagine having all sorts of fantastical dreams about diving into caves and fighting off goblins or whatever. And and I'm, and I'm and I'm and I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. I hope I don't dream about caves. I don't care for them. They piss me off. I hate karst topography. It's lazy. Forgive your balls a tug. Uh, alien or GTFO. I like caves. They're fun. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Thank you, everybody. Uh, I hope this subject wasn't too deep for you tonight. Oh, yo, yo, yo. Take care, everyone. Good night. <laughs>